for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Just to say a thank you on behalf of Susan and I for the love and uh, shown to us through that envelope that was passed to us. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, as you well know, and as we teach, you don't just, we don't take a, a collection in the Freedom Centre, we take an offering. And we, we give you, ask you to plant a seed, because you, there's no seed that doesn't reproduce. And I'm praying that in your lives, what you've sown into Sue and I will be reproduced many times over in your life. So it's not just, you're not just giving something, you're planting a seed into our lives and you will get a harvest from it, some which way, definitely will. Okay, this is the last session on our 2020 vision series that we've been looking at over the last uh, few weeks and uh, as we've been looking into next year because we want to hit the ground running next year, I've got a real burden that our prayer life will be enhanced as a church and as individuals and as families in the early part of next year. We start the decade the way we should start it and we start the year as individuals and as families and as groups as we should start it uh, with him in prayer, but using prayer, appreciating prayer and so forth. So I'll not start talking about prayer because we're going to look at that in January, every which way. But I want to look this morning from a little part of a verse from James chapter 1, because this morning I want to look at the subject, every word, not one word. Every word, not one word. And uh, we're going to take this little reading from James. James was the half-brother of Jesus. I don't know whether you knew that or not. Jesus had half-brothers and half-sisters, probably. And uh, James, in his early part of this book, is talking about trials and how to profit from a trial, how to keep loving God through a trial, the qualities that you'll need as you go through a trial. And then there's just one little part of a verse here in verse 21, and uh, it says, if I can find it, 21, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. I asked some people this week what their favorite verse of scripture was. Uh, you can relax, I'm not going to ask you. Uh, I don't think, but I may well do, you never know. But <laughs> mine is uh, 1 Peter 5 7. So for many of you, when I wrote an inscription in the book and really across different nations when somebody asked me to sign inside the book. This is the verse I always put, 1 Peter 5 verse 7, casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you, which I find uh, just so reassuring that I can give him all my cares. And not only does he just take them, but also he cares for me. Uh, I asked Susan what hers was, and actually, everybody said, I haven't just got one favorite verse, um, I've got many, and so forth, and this one that Susan, I'm going to quote from Susan, is one of mine as well, because God used this in an amazing way in a particular situation in our life, and this is what the verse was, Zephaniah 3:17. the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. 
He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing, uh, which is a great verse. Uh, you're, you're, you're now all thinking, what's my favorite verse? Uh, <laughs> Lydia asked Lydia, what's your favorite verse? Uh, She said, Deuteronomy 28, the Lord will cause your enemies to rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand and he will bless you one way and flee before you seven ways. That was Lydia's in Deuteronomy. Asked Tom what his favorite verse was. Oh, I've got many, Jack. I said, no, give me one. He says, Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. So that was theirs. Matt's. And Matt said, Isaiah 54. Sing, O barren, you have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married women, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. Then finally, Psalms. What's your favorite verse, Sam? He's not here. Sam is here. Psalm 18, verse 2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God and my strength in whom I trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I wonder what your favorite verse is. Some of you are nodding because you've got a favorite verse. But many times we've got a favorite verse is because it's been, a verse has become meaningful in a time of trouble, a situation, a problem. It almost has become like a life raft that you go through the stormy waters of your situation, whatever your situation was and is. It's like the Word of God is implanted, as it says in this verse, in us to save us in that situation and to save our soul and to bring us to the answer. And that's why I read that verse, receive with meekness the implanted word, word of God, which is able to save your souls. So as you go through your difficulty and your faith journey, God wants to implant in you a word for that season, a word from him. The whole word of God wants to be implanted in you. But for certain seasons, there's a word that comes, and God uses his word to speak into our life. Uh, Proverbs says in chapter 30, verse 5, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. So your implanted word becomes like a shield to you. And some people say, how do you go through that situation? How did you get through that? I don't know how you survive through that. And oftentimes with a Christian, it's because they've had a shield of a planted, implanted word in their lives that has given them the grace to go through what you and I might think, I could not go through that. Jesus said, heaven and earth may pass away, but my words, my every word, will by no means pass away. So for those of you who don't know, which I'm sure most of you do, there's 66 books in this Bible, 66 books, 1,189 chapters. I'm told 31,102 verses in the New King James Version. And what's amazing is that in every word in there 
every anointed word in there is ready to be used for someone right across the world in different situations, in different families, even in this room. I'm always amazed when I finish speaking, people come to me and said, God really spoke to me through that. And they'll say something, and I think, I can't even remember saying that. I can't even remember meaning that. It's because when you start speaking the Bible, when you start speaking God's Word, it goes places that you, like a certain lagger, it goes places that you never ever expect it to go. Because it is anointed. Every single word of it. You see, when you heard me reading some of these guys' favorite verses, some of you might have thought, why that verse? That doesn't seem right. When, I, when they were texting, I thought, really? <laughs> because it, it, it's precious to them. It meant something in a season for them. But for me, it was just one of the words in God's Word. And it's not my business. It's not your business to wonder why that's their favorite verse. All you need to know is, the principle is, God uses His Word to speak into your life, to speak into my life. He gives you literally a word in season. And he wants to implant it in us, as he says. Graft it in, the King James says, by God himself to take you through the big issue in your life that you're going through right now. So often we try and get through life's difficulties ourselves. We run away to a corner and we cry by ourselves. Nobody understands me. Nobody wants me. Nobody appreciates me. And we try and get through the situation just by like this, just holding ourselves together. And God says, no, I want you, like Susan was saying before, to relax in my presence and you will find that I will graft into you, I will implant in you a word for your season. So you're thinking, what's all that got to do with uh, 2020? Well, that's a good question. Let me tell you. In some way, in all of our lives, not to mention this coming Thursday, we as a nation, we as a church, we as families, we as individuals need to get back to our first love. But Scotland, I've said many times, used to be known as, many years ago, Bible-loving Scotland. That's how Scotland was known. Now it's known as Scotland, independent Scotland, doesn't it? It used to be known as Bible-loving Scotland. And it's a constant theme through life and through the generations and through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, for God calling his people back to himself. He's a jealous God. Jealous is often used in the wrong Uh, the wrong usage of the word. God is a jealous in its true form, God. So David says, Lord, restore to me the joy, the joy of my salvation. Do you remember that feeling you had when you became a Christian? Usually it's accompanied by joy or it's accompanied by peace or a satisfaction or just knowing or whatever it is. But most times it's accompanied by a love for God's Word. When I became a Christian as a little boy, and I've told you this before, I'm sure, that I, as, I, as I do now, I wrote all over 
my mother and father's Bible that they used in the lounge of our home. And uh, I'm writing all over my notes, what God's speaking to me and so forth. And then some visiting speaker came one Sunday to the church. He was invited up and my mom said to him, can you just share something from God's Word? And he opened it up, and there's all my scribbles. Because I had just become a Christian as a young boy of seven, and there I was writing all over what the God's Word, what he was saying to me right there, right now. Is that how precious God's Word is to me now? Is that how precious God's Word is to you now? Does it mean something? Do you live by it? Do you receive it? Do you plant it? Do you graft it into your everyday life? And I'm convinced, really convinced, that if I and you and the whole nation, in fact, would restore the place of the Bible in our nation, there wouldn't be the confusion, there wouldn't be the drifting along, there wouldn't be the moral filth and everything else, everything you don't like about the nation... It wouldn't be there if we as a nation hadn't forsaken our first love. But where does it start? Where does the revival, is the word we love to use, where does the renewal, where do we fight back? We fight back with me. We fight back with you. We've got to take care of our own business. For many of us, what we've done is we've got weighed down with life's issues and life's problems, many difficult situations and problems. And I understand that. But that often becomes the main thing in our lives. And we almost set up an altar to that issue, to that problem. Oh, what am I going to do about this? This is coming up on Wednesday. What am I going to do? When I see them, when I see her, when I go for that appointment, when I go for that interview, what are we going to do? What are we concentrating on, we're concentrating on the issue. So we're raising the issue up, and when you raise something else up, what happens to Jesus? He comes down. So we've got to get back to God's Word, and then we've got to graft it into our lives, because God will give you a word. He'll give you a favorite verse if you don't have one. He'll give you a now verse. He'll tell you what to claim, But we have to repent, old-fashioned word, and come back to this word. I wonder if I went round our church, our city, our country, and asked Christians, how much do you read of this word? Really, practically. You don't need to give me your name. Just tell me. In the last seven days, have you picked it up? How much have you read of it? How much have you meditated on it? How much have you grafted into your life? of it, all of us are starting to feel, oh, condemned, because you think, oh, Lord, I'd want to do so much more. And it's not that God wants to condemn you. He just wants to restore you. He wants to bless you. He wants to get to you. And the way he'll get to you is you trusting and reading and putting this word into your life. So often we're bored with life and we're fearful of life and often we're more scareful of the bank manager than we are of God. We're more scared of our boss than we are of God. It's like we can come from God's presence and then get fearful of our circumstances. That shouldn't be the case. It's almost like you should be saying, I've just come from God's presence. Who are you? Who are you? Who really? Who are you? I'm a child of God. I'm the son of the living God. I'm a daughter of the living God. 
And some of us get depressed and we get depleted. And the simple answer, <laughs> the answer to life is often the most simple one. It's simply because we're not in his word. And if we could come back to his word, we would find the answers to the questions that we have. And we look at another new year, we look at a new, another new decade. But the good news is that God's every word is for you. And if we would sow it into our lives, we will get a harvest. Now, I don't know about Bible-loving Scotland, but I do want to be known as Bible-loving Freedom Center. So often in churches, God's word is sort of sidelined. Big problem. It's like prayer that we'll look at in January. When the enemy starts to get a hold, prayer goes to the right, Bible goes to the left, and then we do what we feel like doing. But God's word says, Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Blessed is he or she who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. So we have to trust him. We have to know him. We have to follow him. I don't want to be introduced to Jesus when I get to heaven. I want to know him here, now, in all his power, in all his glory. So I want us to be an every word church because the word takes away your worry. The word takes away your fear. The word even takes away your loathing and your sin. It takes away your fear of death, the biggest The one thing that nobody wants to talk about is death. Nobody, And yet, it's a total statistic, isn't it? 100% of us, unless the Lord comes back, will die. 100 years from now, nobody in this room will be here. (laughs) I won't, for sure. We We won't be here. But when you get into God's Word, you realize the best is yet to be. The best is yet to come. This is just nothing. However nice your car is, your house is, your holidays are, that's nothing. It's rubbish compared to what he's going to give you when you get to heaven. Reinhard Bonnke died uh, just yesterday, I think. Famous evangelist. Tremendous evangelist. Sue and I had the pleasure of meeting him down in, in the Midlands a few years ago. Tremendous man of God. Can you imagine the reward he goes back to? He who winneth souls is wise. He who wins his souls is rewarded. So we need to be a believing Bible church and honor all the Bible church, all of it. We trust all the Bible church, whether I experience it or don't experience it, I still trust it. Because what's truer in the Bible, or sorry, what's in the God's word in the Bible is truer than what's in my life. <laughs> I always remember the old uh, guy called Selwyn Hughes. Anybody remember Selwyn Hughes? Or, my, I'm talking to a different generation. (laughs) Selwyn Hughes, you know how Susan promotes the the daily readings? Well, before those daily readings from UCB, there was an every day with Jesus. Yeah, you remember it? Rob Whitaker, who some of you know, used to call it every day with Selwyn. And... and, uh, (laughs) Every day with Jesus. How did I get on to him? <laughs> um, yes, and he, he said, I'm trying to remember what I was saying, where I was going with Selwyn Hughes. Um, he was talking about God's word. Let me get back to where I was. 
Yeah, he, oh, that's what I remember it was. He said, what's, truer in, what's in God's word is truer than what's in my life, right? And what he said was, when his wife died with an illness, and he had an illness, he still claimed the healing for himself, and while his wife was here for, he, for her. Because he said, God's word is true. So I'm going to claim it, whether you can see it in my life or not, whether I experience it in my life or not, whether I'm a good example of it or not, that's by the by. The truth is, this Bible is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So whatever my situation is, I go back to this word. Jesus is no respecter of persons. Do you ever find that frustrating? You look at somebody and they're getting blessed and you see them prospering and you see them getting ahead and you think, that is so annoying because of this or because of that. It's all because, more often, is they're putting these principles into place, whether you like them or don't like them, whether you like me or don't like me. If you put these principles into place, God will apply the truth in your life. He's no respecter of anyone. So the Bible's in your mind. What it promises will manifest in your life. But it has to get through the filter of your mind. You have to start becoming, what we all say we are, a believer. Because your beliefs will schedule your life. (laughs) Your beliefs will schedule your life. Your life right up to here, right here, right now, is because, if I was to dig in and dig in and dig in, it's because of what you ultimately believe. So what we need to do is upgrade our beliefs about ourselves, about our church, about our nation, about our situation, about our career. And we have to change our beliefs by starting reading God's Word and implementing it, and then grafting it into our lives. Because if we don't, 2020 will be virtually, virtually a repeat of 2019. The same way for many people, 2019 was a repeat for 2018. And 2018 was a repeat of 2017, because they didn't upgrade what they believed, really believed. But if we will implement what God says rather than what we think, changes come. Take the word of God seriously. If we will walk by faith, not by sight. Some of us look at our situation and we look at it and we look at it and we look at it and look at it. We're using our eyes in the wrong way. We need to look at him and how he sees things. We need to change. And then if we change, if you read my book, you will grow. But if we don't change, we don't grow. That's why sometimes we become a Christian. We see people becoming a Christian. But slowly but surely, this this gets dropped. Prayer gets dropped. And they don't grow. But it's, it's no great secret. If you have a baby, you nurture the baby. You feed the baby. You train up a child in the way it shall go. You see? And that's what God wants to do with us. He wants to train us up. He wants to nurture us. But if sometimes we're like our little dog Willow is, Willow has got a taste for what we eat. 
And, and now she goes to her plate, which is her food, and she looks at it. You understand? <laughs> Don't want that. Thank you very much. And she'll, she'll go across and... Yeah, nothing new. No, don't want that. You understand? And sometimes we, we get like that for God's word. We've got something which satisfies our flesh in the world. And then we come to God's word and we go, oh no, 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 not ready for that. Not going to apply that. Don't need that. But that is what's going to feed you. That's what's going to make you grow. That's what's going to make you mature. Our faith has to grow. Some of us say, well, I, don't, I can't believe God for this huge vision. But why are you believing God for any vision? <laughs> a small thing. Small. Because it has to mature. You only need faith of a mustard seed. So our visions need to change. Our visions need to mature. Our visions do adapt. Because if they don't evolve, they don't happen. And if you've ever built anything... Anything, something, anything, you have to be adaptable. Trust me. If you, if you build your own house, you have to be adaptable. You have to be flexible. But you know where you're going, but how you're getting there changes. In 2004, and some of us, well, some, most of us will remember this, that in 2004 there were 9,000 blockbuster stores around the world. 9,000 blockbuster stores. They employed 58,000 people across the globe. Out of that 9,000 blockbuster stores, how many are left? One. There is one, <laughs> there is one blockbuster store left in the U.S. of A, in a place called Bend in Oregon, U.S.A., why is there only one blockbuster store left? I still watch films. You still watch films. The desire to watch films and see films is still there. But the way of accessing the film has changed. We don't, on a Saturday night, take the car and drive down to the center of Preston and go into the blockbuster store that was there, I can still see it, and parade up and down and try and find a film that's half decent and watch it. Now, of course... We have Netflix, we have downloads, we have YouTube, we have Apple TV, we've got Now TV. The vision is still there. We still want to see the film, but the way we access the film is different now. But the problem with Blockbuster was it refused to adapt. So if you take the Bible as an example, how many people have their Bible here this morning? I'm not condemning you, I'm just asking, how many? Just hold your Bible out if you've got it with you. Okay. So there's, there's, there's a good few. Got your Bible. That's encouraging, actually. There's a, there's, a good, <laughs> there's a good few of you got your Bible. How many have got your Bible on your phone? See? Now there's more hands going up. On your iPad or your computer. How many see the Bible on the screen above me when we read God's Word? The Bible hasn't changed, but your vision, your access to it has changed. So visions change, and the vision of the Freedom Center will next year evolve and evolve, and it always has done over the years. But God says, and I want you to know this, just in case you don't, His Word never changes. The way of accessing the Word changes, 
We listen in the car. We listen at lunchtime. We listen on our phone. It, it even reads itself to us in some of the apps. Or we get down our Bible and we read it. The way of accessing God's Word is totally different for different people. But the truth that's contained in that Word changes. In fact, Revelation, the book of Revelation, warns us about changing God's Word. So a thriving church, our church, hopefully, in the years ahead, is a church that embraces all that God has in His Word. It just changes how people access it. Because Hebrews says the Word of God is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart old name from the past martin luther said the bible is alive it speaks to me it has feet it runs after me it has hands it lays hold of me i think that's fantastic quote the bible is alive it speaks to me it has feet it it runs after me it has hands It lays hold of me. See, when you dig into God's Word, it's not dry. You can't have seasons when it's dry. I understand that. But it's active. It's living. That's how Isaiah 61 is a radical vision. But really, it shouldn't be radical to walk with God. It It really shouldn't. It shouldn't be radical to hear from God. It shouldn't be radical to trust God and to have faith in God. It shouldn't be radical to share God with other people or to read his word. That should just be normal Christianity. Supernatural Christianity is normal. (laughs) It really is. But you've got to step out in faith. And that's where most Christians think, I ain't going to cross that cliff. Because then it's not just up to me. It's up to God. And so we don't want to put God in charge of our lives. We want to get control. We want to know what's happening. But the whole thing, that the truth that the Bible teaches us is God's in control. God knows what's happening. God will make a way where there is no way. But you've got to trust him. It isn't just saying the words, it's letting the words be grafted into you. Being, as, as the, the verse I said, implanted. I like to prefer the word implanted in the New King James. It's like, because the whole Bible's all about sowing and reaping. And I like that God's word is sown into our lives. And then we get a harvest from it. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. To preach the good tidings to the poor, set me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And when the Spirit of God is moving in your life, that's what you do. When the Spirit is planted in you, the harvest comes in any, many different types of ways. But the Spirit of God is upon you. And Susan and I, I'll give you a little example of this. Susan and I were at a service station this week off the motorway and uh, we had our lunch in the car and we were sitting eating, <laughs> eating our sandwiches and, and so forth and uh, I finished mine as is often the way before Susan so I went over to the waste bin in the car park and uh, put the, the uh, 
remains rubbish, that's the word, rubbish in the rubbish bin, <laughs> as you do. And uh, I came back and I saw this guy in a car uh, just near ours, and um, I saw this car that he was in, I thought, that's a nice car, I like that car. And um, so I walked past and uh, sat back in the car, and Susan finished her lunch, so I got the, her rubbish, and I took it back to the bin, and something in, inside of me said, I'm going to go and speak to this guy. So uh, he was on his computer, his iPad, in, the, in the, the seat, driver's seat. So knocked the door, uh, all the window, and uh, he puts down the window. He looked at me like, what are you wanting? So I said to him, you've got to start where people are at. I said to him, I really like your car. If I was going to pick a car, this is the car I would pick. I said, what's it like? Well, he started telling me about his car. Men love cars, don't they? This is, oh, it does this, not to 60 in this, and it's got this horsepower. And it's always, somebody says horsepower, I always imagine a bunch of horses behind it. And <laughs> horsepower, and engine, and fuel, and, and then he started co- talking about cost, and then I didn't like the car so much. Um, <laughs> started talking about the cost and, and so forth. I said, I really like your car. I said, he says, why don't you jump in the, the uh, passenger seat and, and have a look at it, you see? I said, oh, thank you. So I was invited into his car. I'd never met this guy in my life before. Jumped into the next to the car, started talking to him. And of course, as a, he started talking about what he did. His wife was from China. The partner is about to become his wife in China. And uh, met her in uh, New York. And he, he lives in East Lancashire. He goes to China, off, back in front, back in front all the time, getting married in China next year. Started telling me his life story and business. He used to be in oil and gas and what his pen told me what his pension was. And I know what his pension is. And <laughs> you understand? Because, you see how God gives you favor and he opens up doors? So then he said, what do you do? Oh, what do I do? <laughs> I says, you wouldn't believe what I, what I do. He says, Oh, no. I said, what did you guess I do? He says, well, you're, he says you're Scottish. I said, well, I said, well there's, no, there's no whiskey involved, if that's what you're thinking. He said, I, says, I says, well, I'm a number of things. I says, my wife and I pastor a church. And I says, we run this charity called Love Pressing. I write books. We travel. Da, 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 da. And one thing led to another. He's, he, he, I left my car. Susan's looking across like, what are you? Where's he gone? What's he doing? Who's this guy? You must know him. I didn't know him from Adam. God opened, literally opened a door into his car, into his life. Why? Because the Spirit of God is upon me. And I'm nothing special. I'll do that with you if you allow him. Really. But what spills out when you get to know somebody? What spills out? What's the overflow? I could have talked to him about Celtic. I could have talked to him about Man United. I could have talked to him about football, obviously. I could have talked to him about golf. I could have talked to him about many things that I like. But you only get one chance. And he who winneth souls is wise. So he went off with one of my books and my business card. And I just planted a seed. Now, I didn't lead him to the Lord. Somebody else might do that five meetings down it's just playing your part. Just playing your part, planting the seed. That's all God asks you to do. When you meet someone, you speak to somebody, or when you serve somebody, or somebody comes to your home, just, just give them something. So something into their life because you're anointed for a purpose. You're not anointed to get tingles up your back. You're anointed to do something, to be something. 
and it's usually to be a blessing. But we have to let every word of God penetrate the hard souls of our life. Now, often Susan says to me when I'm driving and I'm moaning about the person in front and they're too slow and they'll do this and do this, too fast, too slow. There. She'll say, she just gives me that look, you know. And, and so I'm not saying I'm perfect. What I'm saying is there's instances that you'll come into through this Christmas when people are moaning about Christmas season or they're moaning about money or they're moaning about this and they're moaning about that. You'll have an opportunity just to say a word in, in literally in season. So I commission all of us to take the word of God, plant it in our lives, and see what the overflow is. Oh, I, I can just see it in my spirit. I can see the overflow that if each one of us would just take God's word, it would work out totally different for every, total, every different person in this building this morning. Even people listening in the podcast, whether they're in India or America, wherever they are, it will work out differently in their lives, but it will be the overflow from God. I only read the last part of the verse. Let me read the whole verse to you. And this is really God's word to us. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. You know, the biggest obstacle in getting Isaiah 61 done is not the world, it's the church. <laughs> it really is. And God's got a problem. He wants to use the church. But that's the filter. And so the world rejects Christianity because it's never really seen an out- authentic outbreaking of God's Spirit in our nation. And so it rejects it. thinks, But we know it's true. But all we need to do is release that truth. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you for what we've looked at these last few weeks. Lord, this is for everyone. It's not just for some of us. It's for everyone. It's for everywhere. Wherever we are, Lord, our somewhere, help us to be authentic real, godly, that we give everything, all to Jesus, I surrender. But Lord, we sow into your ministry, we sow into your soil, not to get a harvest, but to see the kingdom come and to see your will be done. We thank you for every word of God. All this next year, 2020, none of us, Lord, know what we'll be believing for, what we have vision for, what we'll go through. But I thank you that in this book, there is a word in season for each one of us. Help us to apply it to our lives, to sow it, Lord, in the deep recesses of our mind, our hearts, our souls, so that we will see fruit an overflow of all that you want to do. And Lord, when that happens, we'll be sure to give you all the glory, all the glory, all the thanks. In Jesus' lovely and precious name, amen.
more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.